Radio Influence. The future is now. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer. We are so happy that you are here once again to listen to this thing that we call a podcast. We have a guest coming up that if you thought uh, Rip Rogers was politically incorrect, uh, this may go down. Uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see, and uh, we'll get your uh, feedback. But uh, this interview is, I'm thinking, maybe even more politically incorrect than Rip Rogers. So uh, if you like uh, anti-PC stuff in the year 2018, uh, and if you like to uh, hearing a lot of uh, crazy stories uh, about what happens after the cameras stop taping in the wrestling business and in Survivor, be sure to uh, stick around because Johnny Fairplay will be with us. And I can guarantee you uh, it will be a lot of fun with a lot of great stories, as he always has. But uh, I did want to talk about the fact that, as, as many of you might remember, a few weeks ago I went on a little bit of a, a rant on uh, – on Vince going back to Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the main event of SummerSlam and how I thought it would be better if they would have gone with Lashley versus Lesnar and how I was getting sick of uh, the Roman Reigns, uh, Brock Lesnar stuff. It's <laughs> This is a funny business, guys, because uh, just when you <laughs> the old Roddy Piper, and we'll be talking to, to uh, Johnny Fairplay about Roddy a lot, but uh, just when you think that you have all the answers, they change the questions. The old Roddy Piper line. Just when you think you got it figured out, they surprise you because I was a hindsight being 2020. I'll fall on the sword. I was a thousand percent wrong. Uh, not only was uh, the match uh, at SummerSlam, I thought entertaining. I thought served the purpose with the Braun Strowman stuff as well for down the road. Uh, I will be honest, and I said this on social media that I popped huge with the reunion of The Shield at the end of Monday Night Raw. And you could say what you will about uh, whether Roman Reigns needs those guys, how much it helps them, how much it helps those guys. Don't say those guys, uh, I don't want to hear anybody say those guys are upset because they have to be Roman Reigns jabronis because being Roman Reigns jabronis in the reboot of The Shield probably means an extra half a million dollars in merchandising and pay-per-view money in the next six months. So uh, this is a business. So anybody who thinks that those guys were thrilled to death to be able to put those uh, outfits on again and have that uh, music play and have that merchandise waiting uh, two minutes after the show went off the air doesn't understand this is all about Benjamin at the end of the day. For the most part, there's some guys who save money, like a CM Punk who saves his money and is able to walk away on his terms because it's not about the money. But it, for the most part, uh, you know, it's a business and, you sacrifice a lot of family time, personal time. You travel a lot. You work a hard schedule. At the end of the day, if you can make an extra half a million dollars by getting the gang back together, uh, quote unquote, then I'm sure everybody's thrilled to do it. We'll see where it goes. Not sure if they're heels or baby faces. Not sure it matters. And uh, I was going talking a little bit uh, with Mike Johnson, a PW Insider, who was there live about that. But love the angle. Love them back together. Vince McMahon, I know you're not listening to this, but I apologize. Like, like I said, uh, I was totally off base and, uh, and was very happy with the end result of what I was very unhappy thinking about happening 
several weeks ago. So uh, let me know what you think about what you thought about that angle. Uh, you can hit me up at David Penzer or at Penzer Ringside. Pop big, you know, when you know, a guy that's been around the business like me for 25 years could still pop big, then, then you've done something because, you know, <laughs> you know, I've seen a lot. But uh, so tell me what your thoughts were. Did you like the Shield getting back together? Are you okay with Romans as world champ? And uh, look forward to talking to you guys on social media about that. All right, without further ado, want to bring on uh, a good friend of mine. He is uh, a character, so to speak, if there ever was one, and always has been since I met him back in 2001 at the XWF tapings as Roddy Piper's personal assistant. And uh, we're going to talk about his career and uh, segue into uh, his uh, second career of uh, being a reality television superstar. So without further ado, please welcome a former Survivor heel and longtime wrestling personality, the one and only Johnny Fairplay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce my next guest on City Ringside is been around the wrestling business on and off for over two decades i want to say correct uh yeah i believe i started this stupid <laughs> quest <laughs> fine uh uh geez uh 1998 yeah. so I, I, what, what are we now three I, decades i think that's you when think, i first met you but um you think uh, i'd tap out by now huh yeah you think, well <laughs> you and i both and uh but actually he's most He's actually most famous for uh, his time on the Survivor franchise, and we'll talk a little Survivor and how that uh, uh, has to do with professional wrestling. Uh, but please welcome to City and Ringside, the one and only Johnny Fairplay. Welcome, my friend. Thank, thank you for having me, and, and, and uh, this is really awesome to catch up. It's, uh, it's, it's been a few minutes. Yeah, for sure, sure. I think the last time we talked, we were at a table together at WrestleCade. Yes, yes, Russell Cade in Winston Salem, North Carolina. So and always a good time. They've never asked me back, so I, you know. I don't. Well, I, 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 I have the dubious honor of the first three Russell Cades was uh, Matt Hardy's quest to 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 dominate Russell Cade, and who was Johnny Fairplay going to bring to dethrone Matt Hardy? And the first year I had Gunner, the second year Carlito, and the last year uh, Drew McIntyre. And uh, that was the first three uh, Starcades, and then I think the fourth Starcade is when Jeff Jarrett was was trying to uh, to con the promoter into uh, into making it some kind of G- global force feeder system and their version of WrestleMania and all that. And it, and so uh, you know, m- much like my TNA career, uh, uh, <laughs> I ended up at the Penzer table and and then and then. Uh, <laughs> And then, and then uninvited. <laughs> well, you and me both. I don't know if you got inv- un- uninvited because because uh, because uh, you were sitting with me or I was sitting with you. But uh, we're both. <laughs> hey, hey, let's put it this way: we're both haven't gone back. So, uh, but there, it was, well, it was, hey, hey, hey. is not a flower, and gonorrhea is not a country. There you right? go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I do have to say, uh, I, I got nothing bad to say about it. It was extremely well run and uh, and organized and. Um, had a blast and and uh so I, I had nothing bad to say about uh, about it but um hey we made some money it was a good day there you so, go there and, you and, go. and i and i uh i i eyeballed a rockstar spud sitting across from us up and down for about uh three hours and 
And uh, the, the Lilliputian uh, didn't have the balls to walk over to say anything to me, so that felt pretty good, too. And he did, like, eight wardrobe changes. Like, who the fuck cares about Rockstar Spud and what he's wearing? So, well, <laughs> he, he is, Are we allowed to cuss? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, we're allowed to cuss. <laughs> Wait, hey, have you ever heard Rip Rogers? We had Rip Rogers on. He had to, he said fuck every third word. So I, 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 am, I am very familiar with, with the Rip Rogers, so I, 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 uh, I admire his shtick. <laughs> yeah, he was entertaining. We're going to. We're going to bring him back very soon and uh, do a Q&A, let the fans ask some questions on Twitter. But uh, I actually got a fan question for you on Twitter we'll get to later. Uh, so assuming you were a wrestling fan growing up, you grew up in North Carolina, I believe, uh, that area, what would be called Mid-Atlantic Wrestling? Uh, I, I, grew up right, I grew up in Danville, Virginia, which is about 40 minutes from the Greensboro Coliseum. Wow. So as a, as, as a, young, as a youngster, uh, were you a regular at the Greensboro Coliseum for wrestling? Yes, my my dad taught me at the age of uh, shoot maybe five that the good guys were pussies and root for the bad guys. <laughs> so that that was kind of the the beginnings of of Johnny Fairplay and, and my, uh, my my lease on life. Wow! If you've been going to if you were going to the Greenville Coliseum since you were five, you must have seen some amazing stuff. Any any matches or angles stand out uh, all these years later that you got to see? Well, in addition to the Greensboro Coliseum, I mean, we had uh, the Roanoke Civic Center was a little over an hour away. I went there. Uh, Danville, Virginia had plenty of wrestling here. I mean, like, I don't remember it, but like we had Andre here at like our city auditorium, you know, back, you know, like 1980, I guess. I was born in 74. So right around that time. So my my earliest memories going back. Uh, right before WrestleMania two, I believe nineteen eighty was that eighty six. Yeah, would have been eighty six. You know, I might have the ticket stub right here. Uh, uh, I keep ticket stubs on my desk, so well, this makes for great podcasting. But anyway, right, right before WrestleMania two, my dad took me to WWF in uh. Richmond, Virginia, and it was uh, Hulk Hogan. Ver- it was you know just a, ho- a Sunday house show, right. a Sunday night house show, and, and uh, the main event was Hogan versus uh, Macho Man with Elizabeth. Uh, the semi-main was supposed to be Roddy Piper versus Cousin Luke, and that match did not take place because day in Landover, Maryland, uh, Roddy was stabbed on the way to the ring. Oh geez, and how was cousin fucking Luke that over? <laughs> Someone said, I mean, like you know, I get it if it was a, you know against Hulk Hogan, maybe even a Tito Santana, but but cousin fucking Luke? No, but it, it didn't matter. Roddy had that much heat. It didn't matter. It didn't I matter know. if he wrestled Salvatore Belomo. Uh, yeah, nothing against Salvatore. Uh, <laughs> he he had that much heat, as you know, because uh, we'll get to it. But you work with Roddy uh, very very closely. Uh, so. How did you get your start actually being involved in professional wrestling? I know at some point you went to Oregon and started a promotion if you were if the internet's to be believed at least. Prior to that, I was doing all right, so let's see. Let's 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 rewind back. Ninth I graduated high school. I was born in nineteen seventy four. I graduated uh, high school in nineteen ninety two. And I believe uh like nineteen ninety I wrote a letter to to Ivan, I saw where Ivan Koloff had a wrestling school, and so I wrote a letter to Ivan Koloff. I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm a 
I'm a hundred pounds. I'm five foot six. Like, you know, I want to be a wrestler or, you know, like, you know, what, 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 what advice can you can you give me? And he wrote me back. He goes, uh, it doesn't matter how big you are. It's, it's how big your heart is. And and, and I, I think uh, it might have been in Russian, you know, and, and if you have the $2,500 to give me. And <laughs> of <laughs> course, goes, I was already thinking that that was the answer. Yes, yes, but uh, but I I can train you. I I promise, and you will make it. And uh, so uh, my 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 parents stepped in and said, uh, "You're not giving this man uh, twenty five hundred dollars." <laughs> and so uh, uh, I I decided to go to college instead. I I, uh, I graduated from Virginia Tech, and so 1996 I moved to Greensboro, North Carolina, and uh, I saw a thing for a, uh, a wrestling training. And so I went to uh, – it was uh, – I believe it was one of the assassins possibly, and he was training in some old barn and, and this, this broken down ring. And I remember like uh, uh, all the guys training there took turns giving me like their finishing mood. Like I left with a concussion. I mean like you know I was taking power bombs and all this stuff. And, uh, and so I left that day going, uh, well, that, that sucked. <laughs> and so I later uh, I later met up with Chris Plano, who ran New Dimension Wrestling, and uh, and and Chris uh, Chris's right hand man at the time, and and muscle and 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 you know star and all that was uh, Manny Fernandez. He was using Manny Fernandez and, and Rick Link on, on pretty, exclusively on, on all of his shows, <clears throat> and so. Uh, uh, they were doing a deal where I think it was like two thousand dollars training to be a wrestler, a thousand dollars to be a referee or a manager or a valet or whatever. And I was like, well, if, you know, I, I I thought the trade out for the valets was different than a thousand bucks, but whatever. So uh, wow. I, I just I just told him uh, I was just like, hey, like you know, I want to be a manager. My name's Johnny Fairplay. I my clothes are nicer than I don't know ninety eight percent of your fucking wrestlers let me be a manager and i kind of got like on the job training there from from uh from Andy fernandez and, and and just working like uh this was right around the time the uh uh the italian stallion was booking the uh booking out the jobbers for wwf and he was bringing in the hardy boys so i would manage rising sun they're just whatever two guys they put under hoods as the tag team champions and like i would i would cheat cheat to win like i would come out there i go my name is johnny Fairplay. i call it right down the middle no shenanigans no cheating i play fair and then at the end of the match i would cheat and they and the crowd was just like oh, you you're a liar you you, you cheated <laughs> and i'm just like oh my god this is so fucking you know like this this is heat <laughs> this is how you do it you just you just tell them you're not gonna cheat and then you fucking cheat and they're they're just you know destroyed so uh so so my my job was basically to keep the the you know to s somehow not let the Hardy Boys win the belts because Chris Plano was was literally scared that the Hardys were going to take the belts to WWF with them, you know because I'm I'm sure Vince McMahon was like if only I could get the new Dimension Tag Team title <laughs> yeah, exactly then this is complete you know like you know first I took out the Crockett's and 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 Vern <laughs> Gagne but if I could get Chris Plano's NDW Tag Team Championships. <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, so I started there. I later moved to uh, uh, to uh, like right outside the D.C. area. I was living in uh, uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. And then so I, I went on to have uh, it was actually Axel Rotten, uh, like kind of furthered my training there. 
he was uh, he had that uh, was working with um, uh, with Corporal Punishment. They had the Bone Breakers Wrestling School up there, so I remember being hazed pretty good up there. He's a real and, he's a realtor now. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Oh, sweet. I'm a realtor as well. I'm a realtor oh, in Virginia. So am I. So hell. No, I know. I, I heard Conrad talking that you guys worked out like, you know, so, someone bought a house from you, used first family mortgage to finance it, and, 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 the, and the world is a better place. Yeah, we closed last Tuesday. Uh, everybody's happy. Awesome. So, so, but anyway, so I was in DC for a while and then, and then eventually I, I, I moved to Portland, Oregon and I started my own promotion. I basically, I, like, uh, uh, Chris Plano had, had spent uh, a few thousand dollars to, to make a pilot episode for New Dimension Wrestling and, you know, never, never saw the light of day, but, you know, he had, he had spent a lot of money in like, you know, computer animation for the opening graphics and all that. So I, uh, I contacted Chris cause you know, I, I had a VHS copy of the pilot episode. I was just like, Hey, I'm like, can I, can I use this and, and do like, you know, and, and start a promotion in Portland called new dimension wrestling West and, and just use your opening graphics so that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I have sponsors here. I'm going to do a television show. And if I don't have to spend money on a graphic and all that, that would, you know, save me a lot. And he's like, sure. It makes, it makes, you know, my company sound bigger that there's an East coast part of it and a West coast. But he's like, go nuts. I don't care. He's like, you know, somebody will get something out of this. So, so that's how I ended up in Portland, Oregon. But, but how, <laughs> what was the reason that you moved to basically across the entire country just oh, to start uh, the promotion? <laughs> uh, no, no, God, no, uh, no, I, I was, uh, I was dating a girl in DC. Ah, girl. And, she had uh, she had one semester left at Lewis and Clark University in Portland, Oregon, and she was just like, "Hey, you know, I got one semester left. Do you want to you want to come out there?" And and you know, as soon as I graduate, we'll either move to New York or L.A. And I was like, "Well, what's Portland like?" She goes, "Eh, it kind of sucks." So I was like, "All right, well, you know, the pussy's good." So <laughs> I went I went to Portland, and and it kind of sucked. I'll be honest. So uh, how long did that wrestling promotion last up in Portland? Uh, I was only there like uh, like a year, as I said. She just had a, she had a semester left, so I mean, I we've I don't know uh, eight months. I don't know. I, I got there. I started doing stuff with the Kafuris, um, with uh, Portland Wrestling, and uh, um, Smart Bart Sawyer, who was Roddy Piper's personal synth- personal assistant at the time. Like uh, Bart. Uh, Bart, I think, brought me in. I was I was selling radio advertising with uh, for K Guy ten ten AM radio. Uh, they had uh, Don and Mike, the Sports Junkies, who are now I guess the Junkies, and and uh, uh, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez. Uh, it was like a guy talk station, and and the building that the station was broadcast out of was the same building. They were, it was owned by the Kafuris, who owned Portland Wrestling. So I kind of uh, backdoored my way into there. And then they stopped running shows, and so I, I had found some sponsors, and I, I was running, you know, New Dimension Wrestling out of uh, Nelson's Nautilus Gym, and we were on the the local uh, cable, uh, cable access channel or whatever. So it was it was a, it was a fun run. Uh, we 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 were definitely adult oriented. I had, I had uh, Coach Mike, the child molesting coach with the most, uh, at oh, statutory ape. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, uh, we had it was our 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 best angle our, our character we created. We had a uh, Billy Two Eagles, and and Billy Two Eagles supposedly trained the Undertaker back in the day, and uh, he, he was a Mexican wrestler that that had worked the, the the Native American gimmick for years and years and years, and he had the headdress and all that, and and he uh, it, it, it was about as played out as it, as it could have gotten. 
And so we did a deal where uh, where Billy Two Eagles was uh, was was in a uh, you know he's glad handing babyface. He was a uh, uh, he came to the aid of Lewis the Kid Rock, and Lewis later became Roddy Piper's manager. And so uh, so they uh, uh, they were put in a tag match uh, for the next week. So anyway, so they're out there doing the the pre interview, and uh, and Lewis is wearing a Cleveland Indians uh, baseball cap. And, and, you know, they're doing the interview and, you know, and, and Lewis is like, oh, my God, thank you so much, Billy Two Eagles. You know, you, you, you've, you've been one of my heroes as a kid and being able to tag with you means so much. You know, and I really appreciate you coming to my aid last week and saving me. And you're just a great guy. And this is really an unbelievable. And, and Billy's just staring a hole in me. He's just so offended by the fact that, that Lewis is wearing this, this Cleveland Indians baseball cap. You know, and, 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 and Lewis is, you know, the, the character, he's not doing it, you know, to degrade Billy or, or Native Americans. He, he just, you know, he's just a kid with a baseball cap and likes the Cleveland Indians. Sure. You know, so anyway, so so uh, Billy says nothing. They walk and, and, you know, and Lewis is oblivious to all this. So they have the match and and Billy leaves him. He's like, you know, if I, and so uh, so the next week, Billy's supposed to be there. He's not there. And the next and, you know, and Billy's just like, I can work those shows. I'm like, no, we don't need you. Like, like, I, I remember. Uh, uh, well, I'll finish this. I, I got a good buddy Rose story to follow. So <laughs> we. Uh, um uh, eventually, like, you know, four weeks, you know, four, three weeks go by and Billy comes back out and, you know, instead of the big headdress, he just has the beaded leather thing. And, and instead of, you know, the, the you know, all uh, the, the feathers, you know, he, he's got a suit and he's like, you know, I went back to my people. And, uh, and he's just like, you know, the white man took my land, you know, they, they, they took my pride. They, they took, you know, he's like, but, uh, but I'm back, I'm back on the reservation and I'm working at the casino and I'm now the pit boss B2E is like, you know, white man, you take this stuff from me. I take your money. And so, <laughs> so he'd come out, he'd give out, you know, two for one shrimp coupons and, 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 and <laughs> poker. And it was going to be and like, we reinvented Billy Two Eagles, you know, he's the pit boss B2E. And, and, and like, you know, we come to the ring and, you know, the Vegas show tunes going and the casinos. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun. So, but, uh, but fast forward. Uh, you were, you were not to interrupt you, but you're ahead of your time with the whole Washington Redskins thing now. Right, right. Well, I, I, I got it. It was uh, Jim Valley and I. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. With, uh, Jim Valley uh, does a uh, does a uh, a podcast with uh, Pat McNeil uh, from the Torch. Uh, they they do a uh, uh, a podcast, and he also does a uh, a Japanese wrestling podcast. But anyway, look up Jim Valley on uh, wherever you pod, and you'll you'll hear some fun stories. But yeah, I I, uh, I credit Jim with uh, with a lot of help with with my booking. But but one of my favorite stories back then was I got a call from. Uh, uh, Playboy Buddy Rose, and he was like, "Hey, he goes, I hear you're you're running a uh, running a new promotion." I was like, "Yes, yes, sir." I was just like, "Wow!" I was like, "Really, really cool that you called, Billy." You know, or uh, uh, Buddy. I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, you know, I love the the blowaway diet stuff, and you know, I've gone back and watched a lot of the Portland wrestling stuff you did. You, you're great, you know. And uh, he's like, "Oh, thank you." And he was just like, "I heard you have a guy named Playboy Buddy Rose Jr. on your shows." And I'm like, "I do actually have a." I play boy Buddy Rose Jr. on my show, and he was like, uh, "That's not my kid." <laughs> and I was like, "I'm fully aware of that." I was like, "I heard he was working the gimmick," and I was just like, "And and we we reached out to him, and uh, basically, you know, we're gonna bring him in, and uh, uh, we're gonna have him lose. Like, you know, we're gonna have him lose. You know, like, like you know, he's gonna be one of our job guys. You know, and and eventually, we want you to come out and be like, you know, hey, like." Why are you calling yourself Playboy Buddy Rose Jr.? You you know you're 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 not my kid. I've never even met you. You know and and uh, and then you know and and the 
and Playboy Buddy Rose Jr. is just like, look, I know you did a lot of rats around Portland, Oregon back 20 years ago. Wow. <laughs> and I'm convinced here, you know. And, and, uh, and basically it, it would turn out uh, uh, another guy would show up and goes, I'm Playboy Buddy Rose Jr. And, he, and anyway, the two of them would work together to beat up this third guy. And, and, and we were going to sell shirts to say, I'm Buddy Rose. You know, and it was all <laughs> – I thought it would be fun. And, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and Buddy liked it. You know, he, he, he saw – you know, I, I you know, going through the whole thing, he saw, he saw the fun in it. And he was like, oh, to me, he goes, uh, he goes, well, I can be at the first show. He goes, uh, I'll do, uh, I'll do $500 for you, Johnny. And I was like, oh, that's great, buddy. And, uh, I appreciate, you know, you, you're throwing out a number there. I'm just like, but, uh, I don't, I don't need you for the first show. You know, I just want to establish that this guy is, 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 is a loser, you know, like, like he, He's he's not you know what what, what Buddy Rose and you know we want to establish that right and uh, he was like oh okay I got you I got you he's like all right so uh, you know ten minutes go by he called and he's like hey Johnny you know I've been thinking I could probably do uh, I got I got I'm, I'm going to be in town anyways I could probably do two fifty and, and and make it for that first show and I was like well Buddy uh that's great and I I appreciate you knock down the price shoot you know half price that's that's a good deal you know Buddy Rose I was like but you know once again like we we really need to Established that this guy is is nothing before you know we 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 tie you to the angle. He's like, yeah, 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 I got you. So anyway, so you know, Tim goes by. He's like, you know, Johnny, hundred bucks. No way. <laughs> and I'm like, buddy, I'm like, it's not the money, but once again, I'm gonna hold you to this hundred dollars. Exactly. <laughs> I do need you. I was like, but I just and he was like, all right. So uh, his next phone call was to the Oregon State Athletic Commission to uh, to rat me out for running for running shows with unlicensed wrestlers. Wow. And what happened with that? Uh, so I was running shows. I, I'm actually the reason that the WWE is is allowed to run there now. So uh, I was running shows. I, I originally ran at Nelson's Nautilus, and then we moved the shows to this place called the Pierce Theater. And uh, they used to have raves and stuff like that. And the guy that ran the, the, the Pierce Theater, uh, is, uh, they called him Luscious Larry. And uh, he, was, uh, he was this guy that, 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 that wore short shorts, and, and he was on uh, – inline skates and little 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 crop tops and he always had a sucker in his mouth and uh and, and he and so when we started running shows with him i was like uh i was like larry i was like uh, i was like i was like the, the oregon state athletic commission has, has threatened you know to show up and shut down my shows i was like uh what do you suggest we do and he goes uh, well what does he look like and i was like well uh he looks like John Glenn, you know, the astronaut. I'm like everyone else, you know, they'll be in a black T-shirt, you know, probably overweight and, you know, and young. <laughs> and this this guy will not look like that. And he's like, OK, he goes, I'll take care of it. So anyway, so, you know, so the commission would show up and, you know, it's just like, hey, I'm, I'm here. And he's just like, can I help you? He's just like, yeah, I'm part of the Oregon State Athletic Commission. I'm supposed to be in there. He goes, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you have to have a ticket to go in there. And he goes, no, I'm with the Oregon State Athletic Commission. I'm I'm supposed to be. And he's like, I'm sorry, you don't walk past this door. This is my building. You don't go in without a ticket. He was like, okay, well then I'll buy our tickets. We're sold out. <laughs> wow. So we wouldn't let him in. Anyway, so the guy goes back to the Oregon State Athletic, and they're just like, what? Like, and so they deemed uh, wrestling unenforceable because of me. Wow. So uh, so yeah, so WWE, you're welcome. So, but so Buddy Rose actually, uh, uh, without knowing it, caused the WWE to be able to run without being part of the uh, commission. 
I, I think if he if he had known he could have taken credit for it, he, he definitely would have. I, I, for the record, I love Buddy. <laughs> so I, I thought he was a great guy, but he he, uh, he never forgave me for that because I wouldn't bring I wouldn't give him a hundred bucks. Folks, you tired of getting these huge cell phone bills where you pay all this data that you don't use? Well, I want to tell you about Ting Mobile, the best mobile you've never heard of. Ting does mobile phone services differently. You only pay for what you use. Novel concept, huh? There are no startup fees, no contracts, no plans. It's especially perfect if you spend most of your time around Wi-Fi. Why pay for data you don't use? The average Ting bill is just $23 per phone per month. Nationwide LTE coverage means you'll have great network coverage from coast to coast, and almost any phone will work with Ting. From that ancient Motorola Razor that's sitting in the bottom of your desk drawer to the latest Galaxy S9 or iPhone 10. What I love about it almost the most is reliable customer service. You get to talk to an actual human being when calling. There's no machines. There's no pressing a ton of buttons. You call and an actual person answers. Hey, get $25 off your bill or $25 off a new phone in the Ting shop at ringside.ting.com. That's ringside.ting.com. Ting Mobile. So at some point, you, you, you meet Roddy Piper. How did that happen? I'm, obviously, you live in Oregon. He lived in Oregon, and uh, you're running wrestling. It never and happened wrestling. in Oregon. It never happened in Oregon. So really? I moved. Yeah. No, I, uh, I went to his house. I was, I was in the driveway of his house a couple times. Uh, I, I like we, we had to drive smart Bart Sawyer there. I think smart Bart had lost his license or something. So we had to drive him there a couple of times. What a, ne- not, not to interrupt you. What a great guy, Bart Sawyer. I haven't thought of Bart Sawyer in, in probably a decade, but he was a nice, nice guy. Super nice guy. He's not doing too great these days. Oh, so. I'm, that, that sucks. To yeah. You. I think, I think, uh, I think last I heard, I believe he's like paralyzed on uh. half his body. God. Like a, he's in a nurse. He, like he doesn't even sound like uh, he he called into a, uh, a, a a a wrestling radio show. I think out of Oregon. It's somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, uh, they he was sitting there at the nurses' station making a call. And and like it it, it was. He was still, you know, selling the same stories and 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 and, and trying to work who, had, who whoever would listen. But like uh, it, you it, it, he sounded like a much smaller version of of Smart Bart. I mean, just just audibly on on the phone. And and uh, yeah, I know he's had a few health scares, and I, I you know there was lots of lots of drug issues in the past. I think it all kind of came to a head. That really sucks to hear. He was he was a very he was one of my favorite guys. Uh, he was I loved him. Yeah. I, 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 I love Smart Bart. I mean, he, he was uh, he was a character. I, I I actually have uh, I have very few autographs. Uh, that like uh, if I do get an autograph uh, here or there, that they're they're for sale. But uh, but I, I have one. Uh, it's a picture of Smart Bart and Flex Cavana. Who later became known as The Rock, and then later became known as Dwayne Johnson, sure. and uh, they were the USWA Tag Team Champions. And uh, he he drew uh, drew glasses and and uh, and rabbit ears on The Rock, and he goes, "Is this what you had in mind, Mister Fairplay?" Uh, love Smart Bart Sawyer. So uh, so yeah, I, I still still have that. That's one one of the few autographs that that I, I hung on to for my personal collection. So but uh, but no, so 
I moved uh, like so the girlfriend was like New York or L.A. and then we're debating and and uh, I was like, well, isn't L.A. closer? And she was like, yeah, so so we, we ended up with L.A. because it was closer. So I got there and uh, I get a call of the blue from from uh, from Bart's and he was like, hey, Roddy's looking for a personal assistant. Uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, I, I'm guessing Bart couldn't leave state lines or something at the time, and uh, he was just like, he'd like to meet with you, and I was like, sure. Uh, he was like, well, he'll meet you. Uh, he'll meet you tomorrow at uh, at noon at the Palms Restaurant in you know in in, in L.A. And I was like, okay. He goes, uh, he goes, and bring some weed. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, uh, so I, I, I meet Roddy in the parking lot. He's, he's in one of his Cadillacs and he, he, he uh, rolls the window down a, a hair and he goes, uh, uh, he goes, you have, you have the weed. <laughs> I go, yeah. He goes, you want to smoke that before lunch? I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that always, you know, help makes for a more professional business meeting. Sure. And so anyway, so. Got high in the parking lot. We went into the Palms, and uh, he was like, uh, "You know, what, what would you like, kid?" And I was like, "All right, I got, I got the filet mignon." And we're at the fucking Palms, you know. Yeah. So I got the filet mignon and and uh, the cream spinach, and maybe you know maybe something. And so uh, he's like, uh, uh, "Tell me about yourself, kid." And I was like, "Well, I grew up in Danville, Virginia. You know, I graduated from Virginia Tech. Blah 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 blah." And he was like, "All right, all right." He goes, uh, "What are you doing tomorrow?" And and uh, I was like, no plans. And he was like, uh, you want to meet for lunch? I was like, sure. He was like, uh, how about back here at the Palms? I was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, I had, I had a great lunch. He was like, all right, bring some weed. <laughs> like, okay. So anyway, so we met the, met the next day at noon, got high in the parking lot, went in. I had the filet mignon. I mean, it's great. I mean, right? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I you know, so uh, so anyway, so it's like, tell me about yourself, and so I was like, okay, <laughs> I was born in Danville, Virginia, and graduated. And he was like, all right, so uh, I guess, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, uh, I don't know, coming here. He's like, you want to meet here at the Palms? <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> and he's like, bring some weed. <laughs> I was like, okay, so on day four <laughs> at the Palms, once again the fillet. <laughs> <laughs> uh he goes uh we we meet and and we're t- and he goes i don't know what you where you know what you got going on or that much about you <laughs> i'm like did, did you not listen to fucking anything i said the last four days he goes uh but uh i'm prepared to offer you a job as my personal assistant he goes write down a number on a piece of paper and, and so i wrote uh eighty thousand dollars and uh he uh uh he goes, you got it, kid. And I was like, hold on. Give me that pay. I, I should have wrote more. <laughs> and You so- should have wrote more. I, you should have seen what I wrote to be his tour manager. Now that I, I, I wish I would have talked to you before. Holy crap. Yes, I, I could have gotten, yes, I I said- gotten probably three times what I ended up getting. Uh, oh, this oh, is, this- I, told him, I, I told him 80, so I got there. And he, oh, and he said, man. And I was like, I was like, uh, I was like well, hold on. Let me get-. And he grabbed the paper, put it in his mouth, and, and swallowed it. He ate the paper. So 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 what um, I uh, uh between eating the paper and four days uh, lunches at the Palm High and the fact that I just realized I left a ton of money on the table uh, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, speechless but I I'll, 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 I'll forge on yeah, so yeah. so, what were some of the other than meeting him at the with some weed at the at the palm and eating uh, lunch with him? What were some of your 
Uh, what, what, what was Roddy Piper's personal assistant? What were, what were your duties? Uh, eating lunch and getting high. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty good at it. <laughs> you think I would have weighed more? <laughs> oh my god! I, I we now when when Roddy was in the XWF, you came down with him, correct? That's how I met you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I uh, I came down with Roddy. Uh, I was supposed to be his personal assistant there. However, all right, so we get there to uh, we get there the the first day, and we, we we do some meetings and stuff. You know what? Actually, I think you uh, all right. So about a month before we went down, uh, Roddy had gotten a call from Brian Nobbs, and uh, I, I guess he had missed the call, and he and he, he called Nobbs back, and. Uh, and Brian was in a meeting and you actually uh, said, uh, hey, uh, hey, Roddy, this is uh, this is Dave Penzer. Uh, Brian's in a meeting. I can I can uh, I, I can help you. And uh, Roddy goes, motherfucker, when I call Vince McMahon, I don't talk to Howard fucking Finkel. You fucking <laughs> have I just, uh, I actually just remembered that I had I had buried that. And, you know, you don't remember everything when you're in your 50s. But uh but I, I remember that now, yeah. I stooged the torch to that one because I thought it was such a great quote. Because Roddy was pretty proud of himself afterwards. He was like, oh, my God, listen to this. So he, he didn't take it lightly. He, 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 was, he, really, he was really proud. So, but, but, no, we ended up going. And so I was supposed to, you know, uh, to help him out. And so we got there. And I think Roddy crashed pretty early, and, and so I went out with uh, Valentine and uh, Mr. Perfect. We went to uh, Ebor City uh, to hit uh, hit the bars down there. And that's never funny good. As, what's that? That's never good. Mm, I don't know. It was okay. <laughs> Maybe. So so we're going, and like right before we get there. This fat lady walks right in right in front of the car. So so like Valentine's driving, perfect's in the passenger seat, I'm in the back seat, and this fat chick walks right in front of us, and Mr. Perfect goes, I can fuck that at home. To me. <laughs> so uh, Valentine popped, uh, Kurt didn't. Anyway, so I, th- I think Kurt right then decided he was like, "Okay, well, I'm going to dose this kid." So, <laughs> so then I don't remember it much after, like you know, I remember you know going to a few of the clubs or whatever. But but the next day I get a phone call and at, at nine and uh, it's uh, it's Kevin Sullivan and he was just like, what, "What are you doing, kid?" And I was like, "What, huh? What?" And I get there, and he's just like, I'm like, what time? He goes, it's 9 o'clock. And I was like, oh, my God, fuck. Roddy, Roddy has to be up at 10, you know? So anyway, so I, I'm getting up, trying to scramble, and, you know, trying to – I'm just like, what fucking room is Roddy in? I don't even know, blah, blah, blah. And it turns out uh, – and, and I'm looking around, and, and it's dark. And I'm just like, how the fuck is it – you know, because I was living in Los Angeles. I'm just like, it's really dark at 9 a.m. in fucking Florida? Uh, it was 9 p.m. Oh. So whenever Kurt had dosed, I, I missed an entire day. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> was that is was that the end of you and Roddy working together or uh No, no I worked the next day. <laughs> so, I mean like I you know the, like I I saw Roddy, you know, like later and they were just like, you know, hey, I'm so he's like, Kurt gotcha, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, because that's always funny when, you know, someone <laughs> doses someone, you know, close to the point of death. 
Uh, I, I do remember actually. I think I think we had been there two days because the day before we had all, all gone out to a, uh, to a dinner at like this uh, this Kobe like Japanese steakhouse, and it yeah. was like Roddy and Valentine and, and Nas. I, I think you might have been there, and uh, I was sitting beside uh, Mike uh, Road Warrior Hawk, and uh, and and the, and the money investor was there, and Hawk uh, actually passed out at the table, and so uh, so I I. Uh, uh, Roddy is like uh, telling me to, you know, give a uh, give Mike the Iggy, you know, and I was just like, trust me, I got it. So I I go up to the front and I tell the waitress, I'm just like, hey, it's it's my my friend's birthday. You guys do it, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so they come to the, happy happy birthday, happy happy birthday, and Hawk wakes up and goes, is it my birthday? <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not your fucking birthday. You fucking passed out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is this interview is uh, about the most politically correct one, incorrect one I've ever done. So uh, oh, well, that's what I bring to the table. Uh, you can hear you can hear great stories like this, but with survivors instead of wrestlers, and and uh, <laughs> at survivornsfw.com or just search Survivor NSFW wherever you pod. And if you if if you're just a wrestling fan and want to hear great stories like this, just go to johnnyfairplay.com. Order a T-shirt for nineteen ninety nine, and you get a phone call from me thanking you for your order, <laughs> and, a, and a and a bag of weed and dinner at the Palm. Uh, I, 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 I've been sober for almost two years oh, now. Good, for, so good no, for you. No, no weed, no cigarettes, no, uh, no, no, no booze. No, so I, I run uh, three to ten miles a day, about six days a week, and uh, life is good. If you're a longtime City Ringside listener, you know that I am a huge, and I mean huge, fantasy football fan. And with football upon us, I'm always looking for new ways to win some money and engage in the fantasy football business. And I found a website that I want to recommend to you, my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Now, they have all in-game live betting they have the most rewarding player perks in the business, and this is why I wanted to point them out for you fantasy guys out there like me. You could even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. I've never done that before, and I'm super looking forward to betting the over-under on fantasy players with my bookie. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. When you win, they pay. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. That is not a misstatement. Up to $1,000 if you use the promo code RINGSIDE to activate the offer. They will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 on them. I am happy to offer that and I am looking forward for you to play and win some money. Visit my bookie online today. That is M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code RINGSIDE when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid, get up to $1,000 in free money. Go to my bookie right now. So how did the, the Roddy relationship come to an end? Uh, they're, they're, all right, so uh, we went... We went one night to a, a, a bar called The Standard, and well, let me let me let me let me rewind a second. All right, so uh, uh, 
I used to go to a lot of the, the hot clubs in, in LA. Like, you know, whenever, whenever Hawk was in town, I, I, I would take him, you know, to the clubs and, and crazy stories there. So, but, uh, I remember one night I took, uh, Roddy to see, uh, Steel Panther and, uh, and they were, they would play at the Viper room every Monday night at this time. And like one time we went, uh, I think we had Heidi Klum in the booth beside us another time. Uh, you know, I had uh, Christina Aguilera. Anyway, the booths, uh, my, my friend was the door guy there, and, and he would just hook me up and give me a booth. But, but those booths would typically sell for $1,500 to $2,000 just, just to sit in the booth. So anyway, so, uh, so we ended up going to the standard, and, and I had another friend of mine that you know, was the, the door guy there. And so we go, and, and we're, we're sitting at a back table, and, and uh, the, this Asian girl uh, sits down at our, at our, at our table, and, uh, and Roddy goes, get out of here. And she was, she was like, no. And he goes, I paid $1,500 for this booth. And, uh, and, and she starts laughing at him because it wasn't true, and, and you know, this place didn't charge <laughs> and she And, and uh, and uh, he pulled out his knife and he goes, look, I'll fucking cut you, Ching Chong. And I was like, whoa, whoa, OK, this is this is not good. <laughs> this is this is very bad. No. So so uh, so I, you know, I was, I was like, look, my, my friend's playing. He, he's, he's a goof, goofball. Don't worry about him. So anyway, so a couple minutes later, the manager came over, my, you know, the, the guy that the promoter. And he was just like, Johnny goes, uh, did Roddy just pull a knife on a girl? And I was like, no, no. And he was like, I got two people that saw him. I'm like, maybe. And he was like, look, the police are on their way. Get him the fuck out of here before the police get here. I was like, OK. So anyway, so we go out the back and, and Roddy's like, uh, drive me home. I'm like, I can't fucking drive. I'm like, you know, we had, we had, had uh, probably three Grey Goose Red Bulls, either doubles or triples at this. I mean, like too too much. And I was like, I can't. And he was like, I'm not fucking asking you. I'm fucking telling you. And I was like, okay. I mean, like you, you know, I I dare you to tell Roddy Piper no. It's uh, you know, I've been I, I've been around him. So I'm not yeah, easy. yeah. So you know, so uh, so anyway, so we're driving on the ten right there by by the by where where like the two the. Four lanes converged to two, going on, getting going on to the 110 right there, turned you know towards the Oakwoods over there, and there was a car beside us, and uh, and Roddy's like, uh, uh, punch it or hit it or something, I don't know. Anyway, I I I wasn't. Roddy grabbed the wheel, as I'm driving, and Roddy grabbed the wheel and hit that car. That the my my car bounced off that car, hit a telephone pole, and blah blah blah. And uh, it was bad. Like, no one was hurt, so there there was no injuries or anything. And uh, and so uh, Roddy is like, oh, "I'm going home." So Roddy left. <laughs> he just fucking got out of the car, walked home, and fucking left me. <laughs> and so the the police come and they're just like, "Hey, uh, what happened?" And I'm like. <sighs> Roddy Piper was in the passenger seat and fucking grabbed the steering wheel. And he was just like, oh, and did you have Hulk Hogan in the trunk? Like, <laughs> no, sir. Hulk, uh, I, I, I couldn't meet his guarantee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was a bad night. And that, that was that was the end of us. So, like, uh, going back to Lewis the Kid Rock, you know, I don't know if Lewis, you know, convinced him that that was intentional or if Roddy convinced like. Roddy's Roddy's truce to a lot of stories were however they 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 needed to be for the situation. So I mean like you know I I remember him telling me you know Andy Kaufman's stories that you know they just don't line up 
you know, fact-wise, time-wise, or anything else. You know, and, and it's one of those deals. And I'm not, I'm not calling Roddy a liar. I, I love Roddy, and you know, and and uh, my, my daughter's named Piper. You know, right. for for a reason. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of those deals. You know, especially in the wrestling business or, or any form of the celebrity business, you tell this, you, you tell the same story enough, it, it becomes fact. You know, you ever see the movie Big Fish? Like, you know, that that guy wasn't making up stuff. But it, it's just, you know, a, a good story. You, you, you never let the facts getting get in the way of a good story. Sure. And if you tell the story enough times, that that's that's the truth. Sure. Oh, so, absolutely. So somehow, uh, according to Roddy, I tried to kill him, which which is funny because uh, like after after all that, I went and filmed Survivor, and uh, I I gotten back and and you know they had shown me on commercials and and Roddy Piper called someone at CBS, and uh, and said, uh, "Hey, uh, this is this is Roddy Piper." Uh, I know uh, I know one of the writers of Survivor, and. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want Johnny Fairplay on the show. <laughs> oh, jeez! And they're and and they they called they called, they were in tears telling me the story. Uh, the people from CBS, but uh, they they go well. You know, number one, uh, unfortunately, we've already filmed it, so we can't. Uh, it's it's too late. We we can't refilm it without Johnny. And number two, um, we don't have writers. <laughs> so, we're a reality show, and uh, you know, as opposed to your version of reality, uh, <laughs> there's not someone writing it down. So, uh, so yeah. So, but but after that, I mean, like you know, uh, we we we've done we we did a Fox Best Damn Sports Show period together. We did we did a Piper's Pignet, Piper's Pit segment, you know, for TNA Wrestling there, and like uh, we hung out at at the uh, the Mad Monster Party thing, and and. Um, uh, Charlotte. So, uh, we had, we had lunch a couple times. So, uh, you know, if, if, and, and I think he mentioned, I don't know if he mentioned in his book that I tried to kill him, but I, he's told anyone that, that would have listened to the story that I did, but, uh, and you can believe whatever you want, but like, I wouldn't take pictures, have lunch or hang out with someone that tried to kill me. Sure. <laughs> That's no. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you like you like you said, you guys had drank like three or four triple uh, 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 vodka. So, uh, you know, yeah, I think prob- probably probably <laughs> probably uh, a little hazy for for everybody involved. So, you know, everybody. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you 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 can you can add on to that, you know, other stuff as well. Sure. <laughs> you know, was, like was, like you know, Roddy Roddy was uh, Roddy was a superstar. I mean, like this is a guy that was famous in the height of the, of eighties glam, and you know, so like it, it's it's funny if if you if you uh, uh, Hulk will attest to it. You know, when they did the whole deal, you know, with Cindy Lauper and and you know and uh, you know, the, the first WrestleMania. And you know, so you had, you had Cindy Lauper there, and 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 you know, and, and Andy Warhol is, is backstage, and all these people like they they all loved Roddy, like you know, like like Cindy Lauper hated Hulk. You know, Hulk Hogan was the one that came to her aid. You know, he was just the the, the juiced up meathead. You know, Roddy Piper was the cool one. You know, there's a reason Roddy Piper got picked for They Live. Yeah, he is. He, he I, you know, I work for him as well, and and got to know him pretty good on a tour bus for. For more than two months, crisscrossing the country, and uh, look, he's he and 
and and in his later years, and he was the first one to admit that uh, he didn't he he didn't live a, a perfect life, uh, you know. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so you know he, he didn't run away from that. But all I could say is he had a heart of gold when 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 I you know when he was around me. And look, I worked for him. He paid me money. He expected stuff. And if if I didn't deliver, he made it clear that he wanted me to deliver. You know, that's he's a businessman. But yeah. uh, but but at the end of the day, he uh, I always found him to have a heart of gold. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I actually miss him to this day and I'm sure you do too. And I'm glad you guys were able to part on good terms after all that craziness. Hollywood, sure, Hollywood, Hollywood's a crazy place. So, uh, yes, yes, yes. So no, I, I, I am, I am in Danville, Virginia. And as I said, I'm a realtor here and, and I'm, I'm, I'm very content with where my life is. I, I, I have the second biggest survivor podcast in all of the world and, wow. uh, uh, life, life's Life's uh, life's treat me pretty all right. So, how did you get the gig on Survivor? So you're, uh, you're done I with was, Rod. You're done with Roddy. I'm done with Roddy. You're, you're in L.A. and you're trying I'm to figure in, out. Go I'm ahead. living in Los Angeles. Uh, a buddy of mine invited me to a Von Dutch party, and uh, this was like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I I had been poolside for about an hour. I was about three quarters lights in at the time. And uh, the the party I was living on Hollywood Boulevard, and the party was in I believe Manhattan Beach. And so he was like, "Hey, can you come down?" I was like, "No." Anyway, the girl he was dating ended up picking me up. So uh, she's driving. I think she had a Mercedes convertible. And so we stop in Santa Monica to get gas. So she's pumping gas like a woman should. And I go to the corner <laughs> to go have a. Oh, I'm sorry. Did that. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to the corner to have a cigarette, and this white Volvo locks up the brakes. She pulls in. She goes, you mind if I ask you a crazy question? I was like, you're hot. Why not? She goes, you ever watch Survivor? I go, no, they're a bunch of fucking losers. She goes, I'm the casting director. I go, that sucks for you. She goes, I'm offering you a one in 16 chance in a million dollars. I'm like, whatever. She goes, I think you'd be perfect. I'm like, tell me something I don't know, honey. She goes, that's it. You're on. That wow. I just cut a promo on her. <laughs> so... Did you did were you aware of what Survivor was? Did you have to? I, I, I the only I I had watched probably two minutes of the first season uh, finale, and I was like, these people are fucking idiots. I would never do this, and that's all I had ever seen. So then, once I was cast, I went on eBay and I ordered. Uh, I ordered uh, VHS copies of every single episode of Survivor and every early show interview in which they said why they felt they were voted out. So I, I started watching season one. So I was on episode. I was on season seven. So I had the first six seasons on VHS. So season one, like people are voting people out, you know, based on alphabetical order and shit. So I'm like, this is fucking worth. Plus. So then season two, they're just like they're starting to figure it out. So I started with season three and I watched every episode twice and 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 just really dissected the game. And uh, and I brought in like like my favorite show at the time. I like the real world. Like, you know, I, I wanted I wanted to fuck Trishel from the real world. So that was my my jam right there. So I wanted like and I thought I thought real, real world was uh, emotionally uh Emotionally at, at, attachment wise, I, I thought it was a, a better show. So, so when I'm sitting here dissecting the show as as a fan and as and as a as a uh, future contestant, I'm just like, all right. So, what what to me as a viewer does works 
for good television? And what can I bring in from 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 the real world? And what can I bring in from professional wrestling? And what can I bring in, you know, to make so my job when I went out there, like, you know, if you if you look back on Survivor, even reality television as a whole, anyone like, you know, your Richard Hatches, your your, your Jerry Manthes, any of those bad guy characters didn't feel that they were bad guys. They, they, they all felt it was a bad edit, that that wasn't really them. They didn't embrace the role of heel. Whereas I went in to, to be the first heel in the history of, 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 of Survivor and, and the first bad guy uh, on, on, on his own merits in, in the history of, profe- of, of reality television. So, so I brought those elements in and I go, hey, you know, I'm Johnny Fairplay. I don't play Bear, blah blah blah. It's a misnomer, you know. And uh, so, so like you know, we're uh, you know an hour in, and the producers are like, oh my god, this kid's fucking gold. Like you know, like you know, they're 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 you know, literally, eh, maybe figuratively, <laughs> but they're jerking off because they're just like, no one's ever done this. They're like this guy wants to be hated. So, you know, and, saw, and truth be told, if you go back and watch my season, you know, the big good guy, Rupert, we all kind of fucking hated him because he was a dick and they, everyone kind of liked me. I mean, there's a reason I made it to the end. It wasn't because I was a fucking asshole. It's because I was entertaining. Sure. So I was a good guy. But if you go back and watch, you know, th- there's two people that narrate my season. There's Rupert and he's like, everyone loves me. I'm the provider. And there's Johnny Fairplay going, they all hate me. I'm the fucking heel. But the only person saying that's me. Sure. <laughs> no, uh. I, and, and you say that uh, that they loved you. I, I read a quote yesterday uh, from Jeff Probst, the host, who's who's no fan of yours, but uh, but but said just as much. Said that uh, you're probably the best car- uh, best contestant they ever had, as far as uh, you know, production goes. Sure. I, I mean, as I said, I, I gave them something, you know, like since since me, there's been Russell Hanses and, and other people that that have that have taken that that archetype that that, that I, I created and ran with it. And, and kudos to them. So, you know, and, and, and this, this extends, you know, to the Kardashians and, and, and all other forms of reality television. But if you're looking at, you know, the architect, it's me. So are the conditions as bad as they look? Uh... Sure. We we had we had two tropical storms that later became hurricanes. I mean, you're you're talking about you know uh, 14 hours of horizontal rain. I mean, it's just you know like there's nothing to do. You just sit there. You can't eat because uh, you don't have a fire to cook anything. You can't really drink because you can't boil water. So and 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 you know and and your mind is gone. You know, based on starvation. Like like I going back now thinking about it. I'm just like you know like when it rained for 14 hours, maybe we should have put a pot out to collect water. That would exactly. have been smart. <laughs> but you can't think because like, because everyone's just like, do they give you food? I'm like, if you gave me food, I would be happy. They don't want me happy. I'm not good TV happy. Is it true that the production set, set up, like when you get voted off, you get to go to the production side and it's like full catering, air conditioned uh, uh, housing and all that? Uh, on my first season, uh, when you get, when you got voted out there, you have your own bungalow with a shower television and, uh, and then they, there, there's like a, a common area in which they have any alcohol you want and, and any food that you would want. Wow. So, yeah, so I've heard it's literally like one side is people starving to death and the other side is people having a party. Yeah, but I mean, but it's so funny that everybody, like, you know, the biggest, they give you food. I'm like, they're fucking cheap. <laughs> I'm like, why, why? If they, if they're not showing you get food, then why would they give you food? Like, that's that's like, there's a budget, and and like the the cool thing, not not cool if you're a contestant, but a cool thing 
if, 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 if you're making the show Survivor, it's just like, all right, so we got these challenges and, and that shit. You know, that costs money. But, you know, just the everyday shit, that, that don't cost shit. It's great. <laughs> these people have fucking nothing. And, you know, and if you're sitting there, if you're an accountant, you're like, this is a pretty good show. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's a psychologist. He always liked it. Uh, so I, I, I had never wa- I had watched the first season. That was it. And um, so uh, uh, and I had never even watched up until yesterday the, the, the famous grandma dying uh, lie that you'll be known sure. for forever. Uh, I watched it. I watched it yesterday. It, I got to say, as somebody who's been around the wrestling business for as long as I have, I thought it was absolutely tremendous. So, uh, so you had uh, just to, to 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 tell a little background and to correct me if I'm wrong, you had uh, been told that there might be a situation where uh, where they might bring a friend of yours on. Which every season they do a thing called the loved ones episode, and then the, the, it's it's always towards the end of the season, and they'll they'll have a challenge in which they bring your loved ones out there, and you know, and and I'm I'm a human being. I mean, despite you know the 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 heel persona and all that, you know, when I'm watching Survivor to learn how to play the game Survivor, every time they got to the loved ones episode, watching it at home, I would cry. Like you know, I can just like, oh my god, like you know, this this is fucking pretty 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 real shit you know yeah and so i was just like there's got to be a way i can use this so the season before mine uh this girl jenna maraska her mom was dying of cancer so there was like there was like an auction thing where everyone lost on purpose so she could get a letter from home to find out how she was doing with the cancer and so you know when i'm strategizing you know like you know what am i going to do out there to to you know my, my goal is create this character of johnny fairplay make him the biggest bad guy in the history of reality tv have as much creative control over this character and keep this keep this character on tv for as long as possible and and but but i knew that there you know there had to be uh, i had to work in the high spots right so my my high spot i'm just like well what's more sympathetic than a dying mom a dead grandma was was my high spot so so day one day two everyone's like you know who's your loved one I'm like mine's my grandma she loves survivor it's her favorite show she raised me my parents didn't all oh, this is a lie and uh and i was like i was like but you know but cbs are assholes survivor they're they're, they're, they're dicks they made me list a backup because she's not doing good health wise and 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 fuck them like i don't want to list a backup because i want my grandmother to be here right. and so at night like they would pray for my grandmother. Oh, geez. So when my buddy comes around the corner doing the fucking Jeff Jarrett strut like a fucking asshole, <laughs> you would think they would be fucking laughing because he's doing the fucking Jeff Jarrett. No, he's they're 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 crying. They're just like, oh my god, Johnny's grandma didn't make it. And so and 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 even better yet, like you know, the audio's not there when he does that first hug. He goes, Roddy Piper got fired from SmackDown. That's the first thing he fucking says on that hug. And my reply is, I don't give a fuck. Tell me my grandmother died. <laughs> yeah, I watched it yesterday. I thought it was yeah. tremendous. And, yeah. you but know, that's what happened. That's what happens during the hug. It was right after Roddy had done that HBO uh, uh, real sports thing and got fired for blaming WWE for, for killing wrestlers. Oh, God. Yeah. So, so, so you're, 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 you, you've already given this 48, 72 hour buildup on your grandmother and, and you're like, wait, you know, he comes no, out. No, this is day like 30. I've given a 30 day buildup. Oh, jeez. And, and the first thing you're expecting him to say, the first thing he says is Roddy Piper. So, uh, so <laughs> you're like, get with the storyline, kid. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> he, he, one fucking job. So the thing that the yeah. is, he doesn't even do like he comes here. He's like, dude, she died, dude. I'm yeah, like, can you like, work in eight more dudes to make it more convincing, please? Yeah, I saw. You know, when you guys were walking away after you won the challenge, I saw. Yeah. You said, man, you could have cried, and uh, he's like, I couldn't cry. But uh, but the thing I never knew about this, which I found out yesterday, was that. People voted for you to be able to get information, this guy to stay, to get information on your grandmother, quote unquote, dying. And in the process, basically sent their husbands and wives, like a lot of them, who they hadn't seen, who they could have spent this time with, sent them into the drink. Yeah, packing yeah. because because they cared so, cared so much for you to get your grandmother that they, 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 they shooed their, their, their spouses away. So, yeah, I'm not, did you did you a, did, do you at ever, at any point do you look back and say I kind of feel bad about that part? No, 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 God, no, no. no that was the, that was the move. I mean, like like the, the the Smithsonian has a thing like for for greatest moments in in television history. Like you know, it's it's you know, like I love Lucy's in there and this and this count like for the greatest moment in the history of reality television is my dead grandmother lie. Nothing's come, nothing before that, and nothing after that, and nothing can. I mean, because because anything you attempt to do that that's close, like you're gonna smell dead grandma on it. Yeah. Oh God, when I watched it yesterday, I popped big time. Did you think you had a chance of winning, and why didn't you? Uh, yeah, I I felt I took the two most worthless people to the end, and I think I could have beat either one of them. That final challenge was like a yoga based challenge, and the the lady that beat me, she did yoga every day. So, but now with the help of DDP Yoga, uh, I could beat that bitch any day of the week. <laughs> so. When did when did the cast find out that your grandmother hadn't died? It wasn't was it at the when they saw the show? They had no idea until they saw the show. Were, 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 was there anybody that was legitimately hot? Uh, no, no, they, 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 they all called like, like my phone blew. I, I turned my phone off during that episode, and uh, like one, one of my favorite favorite phone calls. My manager, I, I, I hired a manager right after Survivor because I, I, you know, I kind of knew that this Survivor at the time was the number two show in America. Sure. And uh, well, actually, well, the season before mine, it had dropped to number. I think it either dropped to number three or number five in the ratings world uh, worldwide. And uh, and when my season started, it was right after Pir- Pirates of the Caribbean had come out, which was the, the summer blockbuster. And mine was the pirate season of Survivor. So we started uh, like not for the night, but for the week. We were the number two show in the world, and uh, number one was CSI. And uh, when I did the dead grandmother lie. Uh, every uh, well, when I voted out Rupert the week before, America's favorite Survivor ever, right. everyone's like, "I'm never watching the show again." Fuck Survivor, fuck Johnny Fairplay, blah 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 blah. So the next week was the dead grandmother lie. We were the number one show in the world, and we were number one every week after that because they were like, "I want to be in front of my TV when this motherfucker gets sent home," and I'm like, <laughs> "Keep watching." <laughs> like I'm, I'm on every fucking episode. I'm not so, going so everybody understood it was just part of the game. Nobody was legitimately. Yeah, well, so, 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 so anyway, so I had hired a manager. So I, I had my phone off, and like, uh, so you know, you you see the the dead grand, you know, the, you know, I, I say my grandmother died, you know, and they go to commercial, 
you know, there's there's messages on my phone. My my manager's like, I'm so sorry. If there's anything I can do, just let me know. I'm so sorry. And then you know, then we have the competition. Then we do the big reveal. My grandma's sitting at home watching Jerry Springer right now. You know, the next message is my manager. Do you know how much fucking money you're gonna make? <laughs> <laughs> so because that was the same week Saddam Hussein was captured, the front page of the New York Post read, "The most hated man in America." Picture me, page two, Saddam Hussein. No way. I hope you have that framed. Uh, I got it somewhere. I got I. It was crazy. My when when I was first announced on the cast of Survivor, my name was in print every week for eighteen months straight. Every single whether it was Us Weekly, Star Magazine, People, you every Mad. I was in Mad Magazine twice. So uh, they 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 did a deal with Mad Magazine. If you got a if you if you Went up to Johnny Fairplay and got a picture with you, with 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 uh, a picture of Mad Magazine with you and me. Uh, you got it was either a lifetime subscription or one something crazy. So no, I mean, like, but but every single week for eighteen fucking months, I, I was in print. So and wow. I still have like it's all like I, I have boxes and boxes in my basement. So I never realized it was that. I knew it was big deal. I never realized it was that big a deal. Yeah. Uh, we- Beat, we beat the uh, uh, we beat the series finale of uh, of Friends the 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 season finale or the series finale episode we 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 beat in the ratings by millions. Wow! So uh, I know that you combined it, but uh, when you look at reality TV as a whole, all these years later, uh, how do you see the comparison of reality television and professional wrestling slash sports entertainment? Sure. Well, I mean, like for me personally, like like so Rupert was like America's favorite or the world's, you know, at, at one time, you know, the, everyone's favorite survivor of all time. And so I had wrote uh, I, had, I had tried to get rid of Rupert one time earlier unsuccessfully because I had an idiot that told him my plan. And uh, so after tribal, you know, he goes, who the hell voted for me? And and I walked right up to him just like I did. And I got right in his face and, you know, and and. And uh, it took everything in him not to throw a punch or, or choke me or do something right. Like, I mean, he wanted to more than life itself. And I wanted him to, you know, because if you physically assault someone, you're gone. I'm just like, I don't even have to waste a fucking vote on you. Sure. And, 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 and while that's happening, all I'm thinking back to was, you know, I, I what? 2000 this was 2003 i'm thinking back to 2001 the bwi marriott and me and in, in, in chris jericho's space you know going you know hey like you know nice fucking jean shorts and fanny pack who's your fucking fashion consultant stone cold steve austin come on you fucking canadian fucking hillbilly let's go you know and disco inferno and booker t running up behind me carrying me over their head out of there because this fucking you know dumbass is popping off cutting promos to chris uh, trying to get him to swing. <laughs> well, how did that happen? You were, were... oh, because I, uh, pff, Mikey Whipwreck, uh, worked Van Hammer that night, and I shit okay. on Van Hammer. And uh, Mikey had just gotten there, and uh, he he was. I, I guess he was just trying to score some points with the boys, saying, "Hey, this 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 kid's popping off on work rate of guy. Like, like let's let's shut him up." And 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 he went to Jericho, and Jericho, uh, you know, I was <laughs> I don't know, looking for a young punk punk to cut a promo on, but unfortunately, he found me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've never, I mean, like there there's 
I, I like uh, uh, Gangrel uh, is a good friend of mine and, and, and has been for years. Like we, I'm we not surprised by that. <laughs> I, I know I know him well. I'm not surprised by that. Yes, and and Gangrel told me he comes here. He's like, God damn it, fair play. He goes, he goes, you know that if you had been around in the '80s, like you know, like you know, twenty whatever. He goes, you would have made so much fucking money. Oh my god. He goes, you know, he goes, you'd be dead right now. Don't get me wrong, you'd be <laughs> fucking dead. He goes, someone would have killed you. You would have OD'd. Did I mention someone would have fucking killed you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kurt Hennig almost did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't hey, for lack of trying. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, and you've been generous, so generous with your time, I had asked the fans uh, on Twitter for some questions. Uh, Max Corbin asked, uh, wanted to know what your scariest moment you've had in wrestling would be. Uh, I, I would, just, I would, I would ask that question and say, other than Roddy Piper uh, grabbing the wheel of your car and and spinning it. Uh, sure. Any, 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 any moments in the ring? I know you've done some stuff. With TNA and some independent groups, what was the uh, scariest moment that you've had? Is like you said, a hundred pound guy. Well, I'm, I'm, I was a hundred pounds in, in my junior year of high school. Like I, I bulked up to uh, to one thirteen for Survivor. Uh, there you <laughs> so, go. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think I'm currently about one fifty. So uh, no, my my first night in TNA, I took a spinning power bomb from AJ, and and uh, I believe he stiffed me on purpose and gave me a concussion. Uh, but I, I don't. I don't really blame AJ as you know being a bad person. It was one of those deals. Uh, OneWrestling.com and and uh, which I'm pretty sure at the time was run by Bob Ryder, who was also in the room when my contract was being worked out with right. Dixie Carter and TNA. And somehow my contract got leaked out, and uh, n- you know not too many people in 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 the uh, locker room were, were happy with what I was making. I signed a two year deal for three hundred thousand dollars. Uh, I only had to make uh, 26 appearances a year. I was the first wrestler to get insurance and a cell phone. And uh, it said in my contract I had creative control, uh, one bump a year, and I didn't have to take a bump, uh, my first bump for six months. So, And, and was that because uh, – and, and, and I'm being, being honest. Is that because uh, they thought that you were worth it as far as um, getting the money back? Or was that because our, that Dixie was such a – uh, a mark for reality television. I mean, I I think if if used correctly, I think I I could have shown some returns, but I I don't think I was. I mean, I I, I effectively I think I was used for a total of forty minutes over the course of of two years. I mean, I I know that uh, after Survivor Pearl Islands, my first season, they did Survivor All Stars, which was filmed too close. They they didn't bring me right back for All Stars, but. Uh, two uh like three nights after the all-stars finale or no the next night after the all-stars finale they did a thing called america's tribal council in which america voted on greatest good guy greatest villain greatest moment greatest whatever you know there's like seven different categories and uh, i think i won four of the seven categories and uh they brought me there and and uh you know of course including greatest villain and uh the host jeff probst he's like you know johnny fairplay uh uh, you know, what are you doing here? And uh, and, and I go, uh, I go, oh, I, I thought this was the sign up sheet for All Star 2. And he goes, are, are you upset that you weren't uh, you weren't on All Star 1? I go, dude, upset. You can find me every Friday afternoon on Fox Sports Net on TNA Impact starting next Friday blah, or starting this coming Friday. Blah, blah, blah. They had just signed the deal with Fox Sports Net. I'm on CBS television on a Wednesday night going head to head. Once again, with the series finale of Frasier, 
we destroyed the series finale of Frasier head to head in the ratings. I'm seeing that like like producers are aghast because I'm fucking putting over Fox on CBS. And guess what I did on that show that Friday, Dave Penzer? What'd you do? Nothing? Not a fucking thing. Because <laughs> would you use Johnny Fairplay on there? Nope. Jeff Jarrett didn't. Oh, well, you got your money. And uh, yeah. at the end, that's all that matters. Would you ever go back on Survivor? I know there's heat with you and Propes, but I don't think he has the final say. Would you ever go back? Yeah, he has a lot to say. Uh, I mean, rumor for season 40, uh, which would film next May, uh, is either going to be uh, Legends or uh, or an all-winter season. And if it's Legends, uh, I'd I, I throw my hat in the ring. Well, I'd like to see that, and I'll definitely watch that season if you're on. Hey, plug your, uh, your, your stuff again, please. Sure. Well, um, uh, first and foremost, let, let, me, uh, let me let everybody know, if you would like to hang out with Johnny Fairplay and see Johnny and my co-host Matt Kuhn, we do a podcast called Survivor NSFW. We are doing a live show at Jimmy's Famous Seafood in Baltimore, Maryland. Excuse me, Baltimore, Maryland. And we're going to be watching the premiere of Survivor David versus Goliath. And so once again, that's September 26th. That's a Wednesday night at 8 p.m. at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. We have a VIP package that includes a meet and greet, an actual Survivor buff, autographed 8x10s, and more. Those are $75. Those are going fast. You want to get those if you want the VIP experience. If not, it's only $25 general admission. For more information, go to SurvivorAfterHours.com. That's SurvivorAfterHours.com. Of course, every Wednesday night, you can catch me on Survivor NSFW. That's available on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you pod. Just search Survivor NSFW. That's not safe for work, in case you're wondering. And then, of course, go to JohnnyFairplay.com to get yourself a Johnny Fairplay t-shirt. We have tons of fun t-shirts, Survivor-inspired Johnny Fairplay inspired and more, and those are only $19.99. And with your purchase, you get a thank you phone call from me, Johnny Fairplay. So check that out at johnnyfairplay.com. I think you've done that before. Uh, every every <laughs> fucking Wednesday, Dave. <laughs> hey. I, feel like I, I was listening to Conrad. He was talking about Jimmy Hart. Like uh, they they were. Uh, uh, Conrad was at a convention, at a wrestling convention in Alabama this past weekend, you know, and 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 and, and Conrad's hosting the panel, and it's just like, uh, uh, Jimmy Hart, we got a question for you. Uh, uh, New Japan Wrestling is running Madison Square Garden WrestleMania weekend, and it sold out in 30 minutes. What do you think about that? Oh, brother, how's it going, baby? I love it. You know, you know what sold out? The wings over at Jimmy's Hall of Fame bar and deck in Daytona <laughs> Beach. It's only a 13-hour drive. Head on down there. We got the NFL Sunday ticket. We got the WWE pay-per-views. We got them all, baby. It's like, hey, uh, Jimmy, uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart passed away. Uh, you know, uh, uh, do you have any good Anvil stories? I'll tell you what, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, he loved Jimmy Hart's Hall of Fame bar and deck in Daytona Beach, Florida. Head on down. All right, Jimmy, you got, please, you know, you, you've managed some of the greatest wrestlers of all time. You know, you got your Hulk Hogan's, your, your Hart Foundation, the Nasty Boy, even Dino Bravo. Do you have any good, good, you know, who was the best person you managed? You know what? Managing Jimmy Hart's Hall of Fame. <laughs> and I was sitting there just like, that's Johnny Fairplay 2018. <laughs> JohnnyFairplay.com. Get your fucking t-shirt. <laughs> Jimmy Hart is one of my best friends and mentors. And there, there's a reason we've, this is episode 59 and he has not done this podcast is he, he doesn't like to, he, he, you know, he doesn't want anybody to ever take anything he says the wrong way. So, oh yeah, know, he, uh, he, you know, 
you know, he'll 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 look three times to make sure there's not a, not a microphone. He'll bury you in a heartbeat. But if, <laughs> if there's a microphone, brother, it's central. <laughs> yeah, you know, if people ask him who's your favorite person, man, he doesn't want to offend any of the other people. So there's it's not avoiding the question. He just uh, he he just doesn't want to offend anybody. So uh, in all fairness to Jimmy, but uh, uh, he, was, he was he was so when when I was in TNA, they. Uh, 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 Jeff used to fly me in just so Dixie saw me. like Dick, Dixie would leave about halfway through the tapings. And so he'd fly me in so, so that she saw me. And then, you know, once she left, he was like, okay, you can go. And I wouldn't fucking do anything. And it was ridiculous. So, but, uh, but, uh, Jimmy Hart would, uh, before the shows, he'd walk around, uh, uh, Disney and, or MGM or, or universe, wherever the fuck we were. And, 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 you know, and, and try to try to get people to come in. So, sure. so there was people in the fucking audience. And, uh, this is before Hogan and sign and any of that stuff. And, and fucking, uh, and AJ would walk around and go, Oh brother, come on in the show. We got a uh, Ray Mysterio is going to be here. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh my God, brother! They're like Stone. He's here, brother. I saw him. <laughs> he wouldn't list one fucking guy on the TNA roster. <laughs> I love Jimmy Hart. He's gonna kill me if he hears this. But God bless him. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, man. <laughs> uh, definitely the most. Uh, uh, maybe aside from Rip Rogers, and I, and I really have to sleep on that one. This is definitely the most interesting show we've ever done. And I appreciate your time, and uh, stay in touch, please. Absolutely. I'll tell some stories next time. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank Johnny Fairplay. (laughs) I'm not sure if that was more politically incorrect than Rip Rogers, but uh, I would say there's a 1A and a 1B, and it really doesn't matter. Um, You know, look. Those are his stories. Those are that it's it's his experiences, and that's why we have people on to tell their stories and to tell their experiences in the pro wrestling business and and beyond. And um, want to thank Johnny Fairplay for his uh, time. gave us uh, told us a lot of great stories. And um, you uh, know where you could uh, catch up with him if uh, you want to further engage with Johnny Fairplay. I can tell you, it's never a dull moment in the life of Johnny Fairplay, whatever he does, that is for sure. I want to thank him again. We are going to try to record an episode next week at StarCast. We have a specific time that we are supposed to be at the pop-up tent that uh, is going to host the podcast there. And we're working on getting some great guests that will be a part, that are a part of StarCast. So we're working on that. If for some reason we can't make that happen, we will air that interview with Jim Mitchell, uh, James Vandenberg that I had mentioned last week. And um, uh, either way, we're going to air that in the very near future. And it was, uh, uh, again, you know, much like Johnny Fairplay, great storyteller, Jim Mitchell, and uh, and uh, not not too politically correct. So uh, uh, if we can't come to you live from StarCast next week, then uh, we will we'll air the Jim Mitchell interview. If not, we hope to uh, be with you from StarCast and we'll air that down the road uh again at david penzer at penzer ringside and want to wish you a very happy labor day weekend we hope to see you on labor day with our next episode and until then i'm david penzer still sitting ringside take care follow david penzer on twitter at david penzer also make sure to follow the show on twitter at penzer ringside you've been sitting ringside with david penzer on radio influence 
This is the Landry Football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. I've known Urban Meyer since he was a young student assistant coach at Ohio State. I was working with the Cleveland Browns on Belichick staff. He's a young assistant coach. Assistant coach, just starting out little student assistant from Ohio State, came by and visited. He's a young assistant at Bowling Green as an assistant. And I actually made a phone call on his behalf to get him an interview, pushed him to get a job at Notre Dame as a receiver coach. So I talked to Skip Holtz, who was working for his dad, Lou, at the time. I've lost all respect for Urban at this point. It's a compilation of things. You know, it's for a guy with a house full of skeletons in Gainesville and now Columbus, he probably was at his worst publicly last night. Like a pouting child that was made to appear, he embarrassed himself. He embarrassed Ohio State. He embarrassed the entire coaching profession. For someone that claims to have a certain honor code, he's a man with very little honor, very little integrity. I really respect his ability as a football coach. I recognized it pretty early, got to know him, thought a lot of him. I would have recommended him for that job at Notre Dame. I was the guy that introduced him to Bill Belichick and essentially started that friendship. I'm embarrassed today. Chris Landry brings you Landry Football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com.